Well, welcome to Q&A. We're so glad that you decided to join us this morning. And this is your opportunity to send in questions from the sermon this morning. So the number is up on the screen. We really encourage you to send in questions um, and grateful to have you here this morning. So continuing our study through Ephesians, walk in, except flipping it a little this morning, talk. Talk the walk. Talk the walk, which the power of words yeah. we can all identify with regardless of where you are in stage of life. I know me, I constantly go back to parenting, but this was a very impactful um, series for me or sermon this morning as a parent in the way that I'm communicating with my children. Really yeah. encouraging, challenging, yes, but encouraging that I can do better. <laughs> yeah, the flesh and our emotions definitely want to try to take over our conversation, but if we can be spirit-led, it will definitely foster the unity, walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Yes, yeah. and it truly does make a difference in whatever environment you're in, whether it's in your home, in your work, or in a relationship with friends. It can change the entire dynamic yeah. just based on how you're communicating with people. Yeah, It can really change that. Um, so we do have a question or two that have already come in, so we'll go ahead and get started. But if okay. you think of other questions, please feel free to send them in. Um, first one here about conflict. So I've let a conflict sit unresolved for a while. How do I approach this to seek reconciliation? It's a stressful relationship now. Mm. Sounds like there might be some tension that's sitting. Well, first of all, I appreciate the question because that <clears throat> that's exactly what Christ would want us to do. If there's an unresolved conflict, I would just, you just first of all, I think you begin with prayer. Lord, I want to resolve this in a way that honors you. I want to be your ambassador in it. question doesn't say if they believe they sinned against someone, if they were sinned against. But if you look at the scriptures in Matthew, it says if you, if you think someone has something against you, leave your offering and go. Luke 17, 3 says if your brother sinned against you, go and rebuke him. So there's this concept that you ought to be meeting in the middle. I was simply trying to make arrangements to talk to the person you're in conflict with and say, hey, I just got, I want to confess I've let this problem go unresolved and I want to ask your forgiveness for that because that would be sin. You've let it fester mm -hmm. and then say, as I see the facts, this is what I think happened. How do you see it? And how can we, how can we be reconciled? So without specifics, mm -hmm. I, I just think there's, you begin with prayer, you acknowledge your part in not resolving it before and then try to communicate a dialogue, being honest, teeing it up, giving words that give grace, and trying to show kindness to the person. And it can be tough to yeah. go back when there's a history there, yes. but far better to deal with it than let it get worse yeah. over time. Yeah, it, re it will require humility. Yes, too, so. absolutely. Um, so similar still on question on conflict here. Um, how do you handle a situation where one person thinks there is conflict and the other does not? One person thinks there's conflict and the other is not. Well, again, it could be a situation. Facts would be key there. But I would, um, you still want to address, so if the person says, I think there's a conflict between us, could be a lot of situations. other person doesn't think what he did was wrong, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so in that case, you may be in a situation where I think you sinned against me. And it says, I don't think that's sin. So at that point, you know, you could either say, well, he's convinced me. Maybe I just didn't get my way. I'm not convinced it was a sin. I, mm -hmm. It was a preference matter. So love covers, move on. Or if you think it is sin uh, and it's hindering you, he's like, hey, can we bring a second person in, give them the facts, and help? they help us determine if it was sin or not. Um, if 
flip it around, someone is, has something against you and you're saying, I really don't think I did anything wrong. I still think in humility, it's like rather than trying to be right, you're trying to be righteous. Hey, I'm sorry if I don't believe I sinned, but I am unhappy. I, I, I am sad that you think there's a rift between us and mm-hmm. I want to be reconciled. So what can I do differently going forward? Right. Um, um, there's a biblical counselor, David Pallas, and he once said a lot of people, well, in, in response to, well, should I ask forgiveness if I don't think I sinned? Mm-hmm. And his response was, well, what does it hurt? You know, if there's a rift that says, I, I'm still sorry for this conflict, forgive me for my, my role. Mm-hmm. Now, some people may say you're not owning the behavior in that case, and you do want to try to say, what was it specifically? Right, so um, you can learn. Right. So mm-hmm. if I said something to you, and I, that was not my motive, Mm-hmm. but it hurt you, I would still, I would still have not wanted, I'm sorry I hurt you. That was not my intent. I will not use that word, that phrase, mm-hmm. whatever, again, going forward. So just some practical ideas there. Oh, I think that's great. And the humility behind that and the willingness to understand how to better engage and communicate right. with people. It shows love. I think it's really a way to show love. Yeah. So, um, so someone actually just sent in a question as you were talking about, where do you think is uh, the line? Sorry. Where do you think the line is to bring in a mediator to conflict? I'm sure there isn't a literal number of times to try to resolve it, just the two of us, but what are some key signs when you should bring a third party in? Um, well, the Matthew uh, passage says if, if you're communicating with someone that you believe there's a sin issue and they, it says refuses to listen, I've heard what you had to say. I'm, I don't acknowledge it. I think what I did was right or what it then I think for the benefit of that person, you bring someone else in in order to win them. That, that's the goal. They're sin. They're not repenting. You're trying to mm-hmm. win them. Um, so it's at that point where no one's listening anymore, I believe. Okay, we are, we've stated, I, I do believe there's some uh, differences of opinion where you can just say, look, we just see this differently, but it's not hindering our relationship, you know. Uh, we have a lot of things going on in our in our world right now where people are on different sides of the of an issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need a mediator on that as long as it's not hindering your relationship. I think if it's hindering the relationship, in other words, we had a relationship that was good. It was an eight out of ten. Now we've had a conflict and it is suffering and we can't be restored. I would consider a mediator because Christ died for reconciliation. And so he wants his body to be reconciled. So if we are not reconciled and we have and we're stumped, I think we ought to bring someone else in. Bring someone else in. Yeah. yeah. And there's always a ripple effect too. When there's conflict in one relationship, it can impact a lot of yes. other areas. Um, practical question here. Are there any classes that could be taken if I struggle with today's topic? Any class? Sure. Uh, well, question. first of all. We have our counseling and discipleship training. Did you tee me up for this one? Did you tee it up? I didn't. Someone else okay. did. <laughs> so we have our counseling and discipleship training that starts in January. Uh, and uh, basically it talks about how you would help others uh, in various problems of life to please God in growing measure. And the way heart issues and then how, which is a, the root issue, and then communication, which is a fruit issue, frequently brought up in that. And will help mm-hmm. you start seeing how your own sanctification will aid in your communication. So that starts in January. Um, We have a couple of other um, classes, Scriptural Staff for the Soul, Strong, Firm, and Steadfast for for men that um, helps you prepare for trials in life. And a lot of our trials grow out of communication. 
Uh, I can't think how many times when someone says they have a problem, it started either with poor communication or in the trial, they resulted to sinful communication. So just really learning how to look at life with a biblical worldview will help. So those two classes, uh, you can get information. They start soon. They may even start this week, but I think there's still uh, room. So you can go on the website and find those as well. Hmm. Practical application. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, question here with the I'm fine statement. Okay. I struggle to know how to react when I hit the I'm fine wall. I know I'm not sure how to be proactive or tee up a good response. Any further advice? Uh, that's a good question because that we had that in our marriage. In fact, I didn't I didn't have time in the message, so I'm glad you asked the question. So if you're not fine to say you're fine, it's not truthful. So what we would encourage is if someone is asking you, is everything okay? It's okay to say, I'm not sure. I need time for Mm -hmm. prayer. Um, And if there's something wrong, I'll come back to you. Um, What that does in marriage with my wife, Lisa, and I, if if I, maybe I come home from work and I sense that, you know, something's something's off and I go, everything okay? You know, if she was tempted to say, I'm fine. Then we play that game of like, well, it doesn't look fine, you know, and you keep asking, it's not adding up. you yeah. know, and you keep asking, you sure everything's okay? And you start being annoying by asking. <laughs> but if the other person says, you know what, I'm not sure, I just need time to pray about it, then you've been honest, but then there is a responsibility to come back to you and say, you know what, I prayed about it, I just, it was a preference issue, or no, you know what, and maybe Lisa comes and says, I think you were a little harsh or something when you said such and such, and then we can resolve it. So I think it's okay to say, I'm not sure, let me pray about it, but then you got to bring it back around. Right. The good news, the, the positive of that, if I ask Lisa, is everything fine? She says, it's fine. I don't have to keep playing the what if game. You know, it's like, okay, she's a truth teller. She says it's fine. Then I can, I'm going to act as if everything is fine. So we can't play that. I'm going to say it's fine, but he ought to know differently. You know, it's like, I shouldn't have to tell him. So, Yeah, that's good. Oh, and it's sometimes good to take that pause to think about mm-hmm. things rather than getting wrapped around the axle emotionally or right. in that frustration to be able to back away from it, pray about it, and then come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you helpful. think about it, you said it's fine. The other person, when you bring it up two days later, wait, you said it was okay. Why are we bringing it up now? Right. And so that's another source that of conflict as well. Thing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, so let's see question here. It's hard for me to understand forgive and forget when there are obvious consequences to a break of trust or conflict that damage feelings. Can you help me understand the distinction distinction between full forgiveness and not allowing myself to be a doormat? Yeah. Good question. Um, forgive and forget, I think is, um, not actually, actually a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. I think people say uh, God takes, separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. But an omniscient God doesn't forget anything. He just treats us as if it didn't happen. When we grant forgiveness like Christ forgave us, it doesn't mean we have to forget. It means, in effect, I'm canceling the debt. I'm canceling the debt, and I'm, I'm basically making you three promises. I promise I'm not going to bring it up to, to use against mm-hmm. you again. I'm not going to bring it up to others except for wise counsel because uh, sometimes there's a consequence of the sin. I need wise counsel on how to respond right. to the consequence. And it says I'm not going to dwell on it. 
And that's the hardest promise to keep. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, because we can get tempted to go, why would they do that? I can't believe that. So when we forgive, those are the three promises we're making. Forgiveness and trust are, are different. Um, and so we, we won't hold it against them, but we are still um, trying to give grace. But the one who has sinned against should acknowledge the consequence of that sin was they now have to work to restore trust. Um, if I was going to meet you uh, at a meeting and you stood me up five times in a row, I could forgive you five times in a row. But the next time we schedule a meeting, I said, hey, call me when you're there and I'll get there. In other words, I'm gonna, we still want to make sure there's the behavior mm-hmm. has, has changed. But I'm not right. bringing up the past to use it against you, but actually to help you grow and change mm-hmm. and to restore that trust in the relationship. Right. Yeah. So those type of questions are excellent. We get them all the time. And it's always easier to answer those questions with specific facts. Uh, You see it in marriage when there's been adultery or things of that nature. But uh, you're not expected to forget. And there's a reality that the the one who grants forgiveness has the hardest part. I mean, think about our forgiveness costs Christ is life. Jesus had the hardest part. So if we're going to be Jesus and forgive, it's going to be hardest on the one granting forgiveness and living out those promises. But the scripture makes it clear. We have been forgiven far more than we will ever be asked to forgive. Right. And sometimes it's a repetitive reminder of the grace that we've received. Daily. Daily. Renewing your mind. And it's that constant reminder of the grace we've received. And it can be. Yeah. Difficult. I mean, it's it's hard. Like right. you said, it is difficult to do that. Oh, for me, I want to jump from my sinful flesh. How could they do that again, again, and again? To wait a minute. I'm wow. I'm forgiven again and again and again and again. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good reminder. So, um, next one here. What do you do when you try to resolve a conflict in a relationship when the other person is not accepting their part of the conflict? and continue to do what they have always done to perpetuate the conflict? Yeah, good question. Um, obviously, we've talked about the Matthew 18, and if you're talking mm-hmm. dealing with a believer, bringing in other believers. Mm-hmm. Um, but if look at Romans chapter 12. The command is, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. So God only holds you accountable for your part, your responsibility. If you've strived to restore relationship, if you've strived to be at peace, then, and it doesn't mean that there will be peace, but you're, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all people. Long and short of it is, if you're not in, if you're uh, not reconciled, in some sense, that other person is your enemy. And the scripture tells us how to live with our enemies. Pray for them. Uh, Bless them, you know. So we can still pray for them, bless them, try to serve them with kindness. Doesn't mean you accept the sin. Doesn't mean you say, well, you know, that sin's okay. But the scripture gives us instruction about what our role is and then how to respond to people we're still not in conflict with. Absolutely. I mean, we're still in conflict with. And it's not simple to do by any means, but what an example of Christ love when even in that difficulty, not only to that individual, but others who are watching that relationship can really show, it can be the questions of how are you doing this yes. in such a difficult, well, it's because of Christ. Like, I know my command, you know, he is said to do X, Y, and Z. And so it's it's an opportunity yeah. to share Christ even in the midst of the hard. Yep. Even Absolutely. in the midst of the hard. 
Um, question here, what does sinful, oh, sorry, what does scripture define as non-sinful anger? Non-sinful anger. Okay, that would be righteous anger then, um, which is what the Lord has every day. Look at passages about the, he is angry. Uh, some translations say with the wicked every day, he hates sin. So I alluded to it briefly. Uh, I think one way to think about it is, do I sense I am angry at something that God is angry at? I mean, we can look at sin and say, I'm angry at that. Then is, is it for the same reason? Okay. Am I angry because this dishonors God? Does this hurt the weak? Or um, even though God is angry at it, am I more angry at it because of what it's done to me? It's inconvenienced me. It's put me in a bad place. Now I've gone to self-focus. And what may have been righteous anger has now gone to unrighteous anger. Or the way I try to fix it is sinful. You know, I use my anger to try to resolve it. You know, you can use family situations a lot. You could have a teenager who breaks curfew, okay? Disobeys you, stays out late. Well, yes, God is angry at that sin because it shows a willingness to disobey the, the God-ordained authority. But the parent could be angry because I had to stay up late. I worried I'm worried my reputation as a parent because you were out with all these other kids, and so now I'm self-focused. I've now moved into unrighteous anger. And then I discipline in anger because I'm not trying to correct. I'm trying to be penal. I'm trying to punish. So at all those steps, our anger can go way off track. So that's why I said most of us are rarely righteously angry from start to finish, but that would be the model. I'm angry at something God is angry at for the same reason God is angry at it, and I use the energy to solve the problem in a way that pleases him. Mm -hmm. so. That's a key differentiation yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so we also have a resource. These are great questions that have come in of situations mm -hmm. that people have been dealing with. Um, and so we have resources from the Hope Center, um, and this one is Communication and Conflict Resolution by Stuart Scott, and a great resource. Uh, mm -hmm. There's another one by Ken Sandy as well that's yeah. also a great um, resource on conflict resolution and communication. And so I would really encourage you um, to check out these resources if you're dealing or struggling or just wanting to grow and be able to encourage other people mm -hmm. um, in communication and conflict resolution. So anything else you would add today before we wrap up, whether it's additional resources or encouragement maybe that you didn't have time to fit into the sermon this morning? I don't think so. This resource in the book you referred to by Ken Sandy, he's got a couple, but resolving everyday conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think a good way, if you're in conflict with someone, is maybe buy two of these, say, let's read this, and then let's come back and, and see how this resource speaks to our, our conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good way to use it and maybe be a bridge. Um, yeah, something to have a conversation mm -hmm. over and maybe even over coffee <laughs> <That's right. laughs> to be a blessing to someone. Well, thanks so much for joining us, joining us this morning. We're really grateful for all your questions. And remember to tee up those conversations. What a great practical yeah. tool. Um, I know it's been something on my heart with my kids this weekend. So um, we'll continue to pray that we're able to do that and hope you guys have an awesome week. God bless.